What up, son? It's the tale of the tapes. The fuck life. Saying. Tale of the tapes. Season two, episode fifteen. We're flying through this first section of our second season here. This section is going to wind up taking a break for the summer and then we'll kick back in for the fall and uh, we'll take a week off for like Christmas and New Year and then we'll get right back into it. So we're not going to take a long, long break like we did last season. The 90s has a lot more artists in it than the 80s did. So the 90s is going to be much longer of a season, but 15 episodes in already, man. I mean, this 90s season seems to be going pretty quick already. We've had some major things happen. And uh, today we got Bushwick Bill and Diamond D. So that's Bushwick Bill of the Ghetto Boys and Diamond D, who's another rapper slash producer who's mainly known for his production and was in DITC with Fat Joe and Lord Finesse and Big L and all them and stuff. So I want to go over this one more time about the Ghetto Boys before we get into Bushwick Bill, since he's another member of the Ghetto Boys. So... I spoke about how we ended the 80s decade with Willie D of the Ghetto Boys. And then a couple weeks back, we had Scarface of the Ghetto Boys. And I spoke on both of those episodes about how and why the Ghetto Boys as a group were not included in this study. So I'm not going to get too, too into it again because it's been touched on twice before. But I'll just touch on it briefly to jog your memory. So I'm not aware of who is on what songs and things like that. If you research into the Ghetto Boys a little bit, you will find a long list of members, but you won't really find any info on any of those members aside from Scarface, Willie D, and Bushwick Bill, who were all included in this study, and obviously now up to this point will have all been covered. So they don't tell you who's on what song, they don't give you information on any of the other band members and things like that. So with that being said, if I can't find any info, on more than half of the group, by default, they were left out. So, if anyone has any info to offer on this matter, again, please bring it to my attention and I'll make adjustments if need be, because I don't want to just be leaving people out on technicalities, especially not people like the Ghetto Boys. Now, I don't know out of Scarface, Willie D, and Bushwick Bill who's on what album and things like that, so it's very hard for me to say how much including the Ghetto Boys albums would really affect their scores. I'm sure it would somehow. I don't know if it would be a major difference or if it would help or hurt, but I would like to include them, but the way that things stand right now, quite frankly, I just really can't. So if anybody has any information to offer on that matter, please get at me and uh, make it available to me, and you know I'll take it from there and I'll look into what I have to look into. But with that all out of the way, let's get into Bushwick Bill first. His debut album was out first. Both of these guys from 1992, but Bushwick Bill's album out first, so we'll get into Bushwick Bill first. His birth name is Richard Stephen Shaw, also known as Bushwick Bill, Little Billy, Dr. Wolfgang von Bushwicken, The Barbarian, Mother Funky, Stay High, and Dollar Billster. So right there with the AKAs, you can also see that this guy is obviously a unique character. We're talking about Dr. Wolfgang von Bushwicken, uh, you know, Mother Funky, all this stuff. So for anybody that doesn't know this, and I, I would assume that 
most, if not all, people know this, and I'm I'm not saying this to try to be negative or or anything like that, but Bushwick Bill is a midget. So already right off the bat, before I even get into too much more on Bushwick Bill, we already have a midget here who calls himself Dr. Wolfgang von Bushwicken. So again, we can we can see the unique character that we're dealing with here, and we will definitely get into more of that going forward. But let's get into some more info on Bushwick Bill. Born December 8th, 1966 in Kingston, Jamaica, and died June 9th, 2019 in Denver, Colorado, United States. So another recent death here. I know uh, last time we covered MF Doom, it was not very far removed from his death at all. Um, he died late last year, which was a handful of months, if that, before we actually covered his episode in the podcast this one, a little bit more removed. I mean, 2019, but still very fresh, less than two years ago. So, again, rest in peace to Bushwick Bill, man, for sure. And his genres are listed as hip-hop and southern hip-hop, and his years active are listed as 1986 to 2019. So, a little bit of a background on Bushwick Bill. Richard Stephen Shaw, born December 18, 1966, died June 9, 2019, better known by his stage name Bushwick Bill, was a Jamaican-American rapper and record producer. He was best known as a member of the pioneering Texas hip-hop group Ghetto Boys, a group he originally joined as a dancer in 1986 as Little Billy. He went on to become one-third of the best-known incarnation of the group alongside Willie D and Scarface. So... Not too, too much there on Bushwick Bill, but we do get a little info and insight into how he became a member of the Ghetto Boys. He was actually a member before Willie D and Scarface as a dancer, so the Ghetto Boys apparently changed members a bunch, and that could be a part of the reason why I had trouble finding certain info on certain members and, you know, things like that and why they weren't included as a group, so... Uh, I am glad that we got that little bit of info, not only to, to find out about Bushwick Bill and how and why he was in the group, but also to see that the group clearly changed members a lot, and he was in there before Willie D and Scarface and things like that. So it does give us a little bit of insight into what was going on with the group and why maybe things are a little bit more difficult to find, and that group is a little bit more difficult to include as a whole. But uh, let's get into what I wrote down about Bushwick Bill. Being an avid hip-hop fan and listener, I had heard Bushwick Bill's name thrown around, but never any of his music. Lyrically, he was inconsistent with his bars. He had some decent bars, but most rhymes were very simplistic in one syllable, and he also reached with rhymes sometimes or didn't rhyme at all. He struggled with his flow a lot, but was carried by his ability to keep a topic. His bars usually led into each other well as opposed to being random, and he could tell a decent story, but he did use the long E sound, the most popular in the English language, as a cop-out a lot and finished below average lyrically overall. Bill registered five albums for scoring, with all being average except for one good one, as he had a habit of recycling a lot of bars, verses, and even whole songs. Of his 54 qualified songs, none were great, only two were good, and seven were weak. While he certainly didn't have as much individual success as the Ghetto Boys did as a whole, he was still part of an influential group, and that does count for something. When it came to originality, Chuck Wick certainly didn't disappoint. Some of the reasons are fairly obvious, while some may not be aware of just how original his subject matter was. 
So I want to speak on something really quick in that breakdown. I spoke about him using the long E sound as a cop-out. I just want to get into a little bit what I mean by that. So, it, you know, for example, and I'm just making this up off the top of my head while I'm sitting here, but if I say, I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm at a desk, okay? The next bar, I would potentially have to find a word to rhyme with desk. Now, I'm not saying that desk is a difficult word to rhyme, but what I am saying to you is that the most popular strong vowel sound in the English language is the E sound. Most letters in the alphabet end with that, B, C, D, E, G, etc. We can go on and on. There's a lot, of al a lot of letters in the alphabet that end with that strong E sound. So the point I'm trying to make is that, again, I just did this off the top of my head. I'm not saying that desk is a difficult word to rhyme, but let's say that Bill was having trouble figuring out a word to rhyme with desk, or he used orange and he couldn't figure out a word to rhyme with orange. What Bushwick Bill did a lot of times is he would say, I'm sitting here talking to you and I'm at a desk, see? And then he would go into the next bar and say, I spit rhymes, I make it look easy. Okay, so easy doesn't rhyme with desk at all, but because he couldn't think of something to rhyme with desk, he just threw the word C at the end of the first bar, and then he was able to use something that ended with that strong E sound again at the end of the second bar to rhyme it. So, you know, a good... A good job there by Bushwick Bill to find a way to say the things that he wanted to say, but it also does need to be pointed out and noted that it was a cop-out and it was an easy way out. It's very easy for somebody to just throw an extra word at the end of their bar that ends with the most popular sound in the English alphabet and then find something else to rhyme with that at the end of their next bar. So, while it doesn't make you terrible, it doesn't make you suck, it is something that was done very, very often by Bushwick Bill, often enough that it needed to be written down and, and noted. So let's get into the math of what I wrote down. Lyrics, he gets a 4. Albums, he gets a 3.08 with 0 classics. Songs, he gets a minus 1.3, which is pretty high. We talk all the time. If you're getting anywhere near or above a whole point, whether it's a plus or a minus, in this song category is pretty significant. We also talk a lot about how people may lose like a 0.1 or a 0.05 or something like that, which obviously is a very small fraction of a point, but we've pointed out how other people are getting plus three, plus two, plus one, or plus a half a point in that. So, you know, when somebody else gets plus a whole point or plus a half a point and you get minus a fraction of a point, you have to add those together and they start to turn into a big thing there. So minus 1.3 is a pretty high number. 54 songs, no great ones, and seven weak ones, which isn't insane. You know, it's not 50% of his songs were weak or anything too crazy like that, but with no great ones to weigh it out and not an overabundance of songs to make that number a little bit smaller, he does wind up losing over a full point there in the songs category. Impact, he gets a five, which is just that average, and again, I think that's fair. There really weren't any major names or anything like that that Bill directly influenced, especially not with any of his solo stuff or anything like that, and I do know that the Ghetto Boys were a very iconic and influential group, in, in the hip-hop game, and it does need to be noted that he was a very, very big part of that group, probably just as big as Willie D and Scarface, uh, maybe not commercially as successful, but probably just as instrumental. Now, when you look at that aspect of it, there's two sides to that coin, obviously. 
you're part of a very influential and impactful group, but you yourself weren't very influential and impactful. So he stays at about average there. I thought that being part of the group and what he did with his solo career were enough to even that out to average. And originality, he gets a nine. Again, that's one of those things. There's no way around this. Bushwick Bill was an extremely, extremely unique and original, rare individual. I mean, we have a midget that wears an eye patch. And on top of that, I mean, that's his image. That's who Bushwick Bill was. Bushwick Bill was a loose cannon. Bushwick Bill was a very unique individual, both in the way that he looked, the way that he dressed the way that he carried himself, his demeanor, and things like that. So Bushwick Bill's image was original, and I don't really think it was done for attention. There are some people who certainly dress absolutely ridiculous or do ridiculous things to their face or their hair that are obviously done on purpose to garner attention. Now, I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing because whether it's done to garnish attention or not, it's still very, very original, and it's going to get you a high score on originality, but I do just want to point out here that Bushwick Bill, while he was extremely original, it didn't seem to be done on purpose to get attention drawn to him. It seemed to be that he just was himself, and that's who he was, on top of the fact that he was a midget, on top of the fact that he shot himself in the eye and had to wear an eye patch, and I didn't even get into his subject matter at all. His subject matter was also very, very original, so... While he did speak about some things that were general life problems, he also spoke a lot of things that you really would only understand or I guess maybe relate to if you were a dwarf or a midget. And he also had a lot of very original song topic ideas and he he was one of the pioneers for the the hip-hop subgenre of horrorcore. So the Ghetto Boys in general are a major pioneer for the subgenre horrorcore and like we said, Bushwick Bill, a very instrumental part of that group. So he definitely paved the way there with some originality for that as well. So a well-deserving nine by Bushwick Bill there. And then you add all those five numbers up and you divide by five to get a final rating of 3.96, which leaves Bushwick Bill in 115th place of 157 artists done overall. So not a tremendous finish, but... Chuckwick deserves a major shout out between the crazy turmoil that he dealt with in his life to the unique character that he was to being part of the Ghetto Boys. Bushwick Bill was absolutely an eventful, a unique, a rare and original MC for sure. So shout outs to him, man. And now let's move on to Diamond D who also had his debut solo album in 1992. His birth name is Joseph Kirkland, also known as Diamond D, born April 15, 1968 in the Bronx, New York City, United States. His genres are listed as hip-hop, and his years active are listed as 1987 to present. So let's read up on a little bit of a background about Diamond D. Joseph Kirkland, born April 15, 1968, better known by his stage name Diamond D, is an American hip-hop MC and record producer from the Bronx, New York City, and one of the founding members of the Diggin' in the Crates crew, abbreviated as DITC. So, short, simple, and to the point, basically most of the things that we spoke about in the beginning of the episode with him mainly being a producer and you know being a part of DITC and stuff like that. So Diamond D is similar to... Pete Rock and Large Professor, who we covered very, very recently, in the aspect that he really is mainly a producer, 
and he kind of wound up trying his hand at rat and was at least good enough to make the cut. So here we are covering Diamond D as a rapper and let's get into what I wrote down on him. I had certainly heard of Diamond D's name prior to this, but never realized he was a rapper at all, only knew of his production, particularly with DITC. Early on, he was all over the place, but his good lines were definitely outweighed by the bad ones. He was decent with different rhyme schemes and telling stories, but didn't rhyme sometimes and used a lot of run-on bars and shortcuts. Although most of his rhymes were random, he was good at being able to keep a topic throughout a song. He improved from his second album on and got very good with multisyllabic rhymes and had some clever wordplay. He was, however, inconsistent lyrically and finished average overall. In total, he qualified five albums for scoring, four solo and one with DITC. Three of those albums were good, one was average, and one was great. Of his 60 qualified songs, none were great, 15 were good, and eight were weak. While Diamond D's impact as a producer would certainly surpass his impact as a rapper, he still did manage to have influences as a rapper on artists such as Busta Rhymes, Half a Mill, and a few others. Although there wasn't very much overly standout with anything about Diamond D, he also did make a lot of his own beats and never seemed to sell out for money. So getting into the math of what I just said, lyrics, he gets a five. We spoke about it. he was very inconsistent, there was some ups, there was some downs, but overall he finished that average. Albums, he gets a 4.03 with zero classics. Songs, he gets a minus 1.3, which oddly enough is the exact same song score that Bushwick Bill got. So you can see a little bit of a pattern here where Diamond D had 60 songs, Bushwick Bill had 54. So almost the same amount of number of songs, Diamond D with a little bit more. Bushwick Bill had seven week songs, Diamond D had eight week songs. So while Diamond D technically had more week songs, he also had more songs in total. So the percentage of weak songs against great songs, which neither one of them had any great songs, wound up being exactly the same. It was minus 1.3, which winds up being 13%, but we have to move the decimal place, so it winds up being minus 1.3. Where we do see a difference, though, is you can see how Diamond D's album score is almost a full point better than Bushwick Bill's album score, which, if you've been paying attention to what's going on, it kind of makes you wonder, wait a minute, they had almost the same amount of number of songs and almost the same amount of number of weak songs and the same exact song score why is diamond d's album score why or how is diamond d's album score that much higher than bushwick bill's album score well the reason is pretty simple quite frankly bushwick bill only had two good songs diamond d had 15 good songs so those good songs, I mean, you know, throughout five albums, that's an average of three good songs per album. So when you add in those three good songs on every album, that winds up carrying Diamond D's album score in total to a full point ahead of where Bushwick Bills were. So I like to point out little things like that because it really is important to see how every single fucking word that's coming out of every person's mouth, every aspect, every originality, every song, every album, every word, every topic, every every single thing that is done here is factored into a person's score. So you may do the same in one area, but you may get 
lapsed in another area or you may do great in another area and it might make people wonder how could somebody's song score be the same but their album score not the same i don't get it well that's the explanation right there that's how it's done so the ratio of weak songs to great songs different but the percentage of weak songs to overall songs the same impact he gets a four and a half which same thing we spoke about with Pete Rock and Lodge Professor. You have to take everything into account here. As strictly as a rapper, Diamond D gets a pretty low score as far as impact. Only Busta Rhymes, half a mil, and maybe one or two other people directly influenced by Diamond D's actual rapping, not his production. And, you know, obviously, not only is Diamond D not really a household name, in or out of hip-hop. Now, people like me that are really into hip-hop surely are going to know Diamond D's name, but your regular average hip-hop fans probably might not really know Diamond D's name, and if they do know Diamond D's name, most of them are going to know Diamond D's name for being a producer. So even somebody like myself, who I consider myself to be a very big hip-hop fan, do I have 100% of the knowledge on every single thing in the genre? No, obviously not. I'm not a computer. I'm not there to see every word that every single person that's ever made an attempt at rapping says, but I consider myself a very big hip-hop fan, and I personally really didn't even know that Diamond D was a rapper like that. I don't overlook anybody when it comes to this study. I have never made an assumption about anybody. That guy's not, that guy's not a fucking rapper. Well, this guy's fucking garbage. I'm not even listening to him. I wanted to do that in the beginning. It was my intention to do that in the beginning, but I realized that that obviously is biased. That doesn't count. And regardless of my opinion on somebody or what I do or don't know about them or how skilled they are or how much I like them or things like that, I'm going to give everybody a fair shot. Everybody's going to get their chance to make the cut. And obviously everybody that does make the cut is going to be listened to in their entirety and broken down and scored whether I like the person or not. So... I think that when you factor in both things, you factor in him as a rapper and him as a producer, I think that he finishes just below average. And the reason for that being that his accolades as a producer hold less weight than his accolades as a rapper. So you have to understand, if Diamond D is considered, let's say, a 6 or a 7 as a producer, and he's considered a 3, let's say a 7 and a 3. So we consider him a 3 as a rapper and a 7 as a producer. I don't necessarily think that he gets a 5 because we're not judging him as a producer here. So I think it would be closer to like a 4 because I think 5 is in the middle. But again, his accolades as a producer are not holding the same weight as his accolades as a rapper. Do they have to be included? They do have to be included because it was an impact that he did make on hip-hop. So it is included the same way that Will Smith being a general household name does matter, even though most people probably do know him more so for being an actor than they do for being a rapper. He has done soundtracks and movies that he's been in and things like that. So it does, at the end of the day, have some sort of an impact on hip-hop as a whole. Now, if it's not done as a rapper, you're going to get very little credit for it, if any, but it does need to be kept in, in mind and taken into consideration in the long run. But I think when you keep all things in mind, he gets a four and a half just below average. And originality, he gets a five and a half just above average, which is kind of the same thing as we just spoke about with Impact. You know, there wasn't really anything overly standout about Diamond D when it came to like his his general sound or his, you know, his image or things like that. But you know, the guy was making a lot of his own beats. So, I mean, it is pretty original when you have nothing. 
and you just sit down, you make a beat from scratch, you write all your bars, you write your hook, you record it, this and that. So obviously when nobody's helping you with anything, it's obviously going to be a very original thing. But other than him making his own beats and stuff like that, there really wasn't much to give him credit for in this department. But there really wasn't anything to take credit for away either. So I think in general... Diamond D would have probably been around a 5 as there wasn't really anything overly standout or original about him. But he also never really like sold out for money or took a tremendous amount from other people or things like that. So that would kind of even him out. But I think the fact that he, he was his own producer and made most of his own beats and things like that, I think that that has to be taken into consideration. And that solely probably carries him to just above average in that category. So... You add all five of those numbers up and you divide by five and you get a final rating of 3.55, which leaves Diamond D in 140th place of 157 artists done overall. So it's interesting when you look at these two and you compare them, and I, I've spoke about this many times before, this episode is not to compare Diamond D and Bushwick Bill or pin them against each other or anything like that, but since they both are being covered in this episode, I do like to point out the differences and how people were able to reach the score that they got to. So right away, it looks great for Diamond D because Lyrics Bushwick Bill gets a four, Diamond D gets a five. So pretty much a full point ahead of, of Bushwick Bill there. Albums Bushwick Bill gets the 3.08 and Diamond D gets the 4.03. So again, almost another full point ahead of Bushwick Bill. Then we get into songs, they get the exact same song score. So we only have two categories left, and Diamond D is clearly substantially ahead of Bushwick Bill at this point. And then we get into Impact, which Diamond D gets a 4.5, Bushwick Bill gets a 5. Okay, nothing major there. That's certainly not going to make up for the two full points that Bushwick Bill is behind so far. But then we get into Originality, and we get a 5.5 for Diamond D and a 9 for Bushwick Bill. So... Again, the fact that Bushwick Bill was just such a rare, unique, original individual... It was able to carry him to 25 spots ahead of Diamond D overall. But shout outs to both of those guys. I just wanted to point out how they were very, very different in all of their scores, really, except for the song score. Impact, they were close. Everything else really wasn't very close. And not too far away from each other in their finishes. But it's odd because the guy who seems like he was less talented finished higher overall than the guy who seemed to be more talented but again this is not a test of who's better lyrically this is what everybody brought to the table overall as an artist originality included into that and Bushwick Bill was just a very very original character so that winds up being the category that carried him to 25 slots ahead of Diamond D now it's interesting because we had two artists take over the number one spot in back-to-back -back weeks earlier on this season in the podcast, and now we seem to be in a string here of not-so-great finishes. I don't really remember exactly how many weeks in a row it's been, but there's been a lot of really, really low finishes in the past couple of weeks, but nonetheless, shout-outs to both of these guys for sure, man. And like I spoke about with Pete Rock and Large Professor, these dudes are absolute legends in the hip-hop community in more ways than one. But this particular episode here today in this study is about Diamond D as a rapper. And quite frankly, it's pretty impressive enough 
that these guys who weren't really even necessarily pursuing a career as a rapper and were already having tremendous success with their production were even able to turn around and decide to rap and make this cut. You know, a good example, it's like saying Michael Jordan sucked at baseball. Well, I mean, maybe compared to other like star MLB players and compared to how Michael Jordan was at basketball, surely he sucked at baseball. But in general, generally speaking, Michael Jordan was obviously a tremendous baseball player and was good enough to play at a very high level. I couldn't play baseball at the level that Michael Jordan played baseball, and I'm sure most of you listening probably couldn't play baseball or probably any sport at the high level that Jordan played baseball. So, again, when you compare him in a certain way, was he great at baseball? No. It wasn't his best aspect, the same way that rapping wasn't Diamond D and Large Professor and Pete Rock's best aspect. Did they suck at rapping? No, absolutely not. Did Michael Jordan suck at baseball? No, absolutely not. So I just wanted to point that example out of of what it's really like and put things in perspective there. And let's give the proper respect where it's due because these are guys that really weren't even rappers and were able to find their way into this study and this podcast. And I mean, no last place finishes. You know, it's not like these guys finished in dead last and you're turning around and saying, "Ah, well, you know, they finished in last, but they weren't even really rappers. They were just producers. Again, these are guys that, yeah, they, they do fit in those shoes. But none of them have come in last so far. So big shout outs to those guys. I just want to give the proper respect where it's due for sure. I'm not trying to shit on anybody in any of these episodes. So on to our list. Let's start off with our top 15% overall so far here. And our list grows longer today as we now have 85 artists covered in total. And 15% of 85 is just about 13. So our list will grow from a top 12 to a top 13 today. In our top spot, we have Tupac, who is tied for 8th place of 157 artists done overall. Next, we have Pharaoh Manch, who's in 10th place. Couple of slots behind him, we have KRS-One, who's in 12th place. Then we have Jizza in 14th place and Slick Rick in 16th place. Couple of slots back behind Slick Rick, we have Rakim, who's in 18th place. Then we have Rev Run of Run DMC back in 23rd place. Directly behind him is LL Cool J, who's in 24th. And directly behind him in 25th, we have MF Doom. A couple of slots back behind Doom, we have Will Smith, who's in 27th. And then a couple of slots back from him, we have DMC of Run DMC and Ice Cube, who are tied for 30th place. Now, normally that would be where our list ended, but like I said, today we have an extra slot open, so we don't have just one artist coming back in here. We have two artists coming back in here as there's a tie for 33rd place between Big Daddy Kane and Everlast. So those guys fall into our last spot available here today in our top 15% at tied for 33rd of 157 artists done overall. So... Neither guy from today's episode made their way into our top 15% overall. However, since our list grew longer today and neither of those guys were added, that means there was room for someone else to slide back in. We've spoken before about how Big Daddy Kane just absolutely refuses to go away. And now here we are in 1992 and once again BDK fights his way back into our top 15% along with Everlast, who now makes his second appearance in our top 15% overall. So, welcome back to those two, and a special shout-out to Kane, for sure, 
along with the rest of these guys in this list. That's an 80s guy right there who just refuses to go away or be silenced. And if somehow, some way, somebody finishes really high in the next week or two or something like that and Kane gets pushed out, I wouldn't put it past him to fight his way right back in here. So Kane looking to finish in our top 15% overall when this is all said and done. We'll see how long he can stay in there for. And if he gets ousted, we'll see if he can find his way back in again. That's got to be his third or fourth time that he's fought his way back into that list now. So special shout out to him. Next list is our current top 10% lyrically. So there's no changes to this list today as neither of our artists from today's episode cracked the top 10% lyrically. So let's get into who is in there. In our top lyrical spot so far, we have Pharaoh Monch with a lyrical score of 8.5. Behind him, we have a tie with Master Ace and Jizza, who both got lyrical scores of 7.5. Behind them, we have another tie with KRS-One and Lord Finesse, who both got lyrical scores of 7. And then behind them, we have a five-way tie with Will Smith, Rakim, Cool G Rap, Everlast, and Tupac, all with lyrical scores of 6.5. Again, expect this list to stay the same a little bit more often than some of the other lists probably, but I'm sure that we will have some people added in this list in the near future, but major shout out to those guys. When you talk about skill and talent and things like that, these have really been your elite guys so far. I don't know who stays there and who doesn't, but so far these have really been your elite guys that have really stood out above the rest, so major shout out to them for sure. And now let's get into our particular decades list. Starting with our top five rappers to make their debut in the 1980s. At number one, KRS-One. Number two, Slick Rick. Number three, Rakim. Number four, Rev Run of Run DMC. And number five, LL Cool J. So, this list usually stays the same as it should. And these five legends rightfully get their names thrown out there every single episode every week. So, major shout out to those guys for sure. Absolute legends and pioneers of not only their own decade, but overall for sure. Some of those guys are not top 15% overall, some of them aren't, but regardless of who is and who isn't, those guys are definitely legends, pioneers, OGs of the game, and that cannot be taken away from them no matter what point in time we get to and no matter how far and deep we get into this podcast. Those guys deserve to be rattled off every week. Let's give them the proper credit due there. And now let's get into our top five artists to make their debut in the 90s so far. At number one, Tupac. Number two, Pharrell Monch. Number three, Jizza. Number four, MF Doom. And number five, Everlast. So that's the third list that Everlast makes today. So while Everlast is, is not, you know, at the very top of our list, he's not one of our top, top guys overall. And he's not the best lyricist or anything like that, but... He's a t he is somewhat of a top guy overall, at least so far. He's somewhat of a top lyricist, at least so far. And he's not the best guy to come out in the 90s so far, but he's one of the best guys. So Everlast looking like one of those guys that wasn't insanely ridiculous at any one particular category, but looks like he probably did pretty well in more areas than one and is finding his name come out of my mouth a lot more times than some of the other people in the study so far. So again, there are all different ways to get into all different lists here. So shout out to everybody that's made any of these lists for sure. And we really didn't have many changes to the list today. You know, we had the quote unquote addition to the top 15% overall, which obviously really wasn't an addition. 
That was some guys that had been ousted a couple of weeks back, and because the list grew longer, they were able to find their way back in there today. Nonetheless, it is still somewhat of a change from what we had last week. The other list didn't really change. So some stayed the same and some changed, which is a little bit of a change from what we've been having the past couple of weeks. Mostly they were staying the same. Um, but if you'd like to see any of the lists in full, you can go give the Facebook website a visit at www.facebook.com slash podcast. You can also give the host website a visit at www.anchor.fm slash tapes. Both of those links are spelled completely normally. On the host website, you see a support button. Hit it and enter in an infinite amount of money. You will feel absolutely great about yourself. <laughs> um, that's, that's really it for this week, man. That's it for episode 15. Next week on episode 16, we are covering Redman and Common. Ooh. This is a good one for so many reasons. I'm not even going to name them all right now. Two major names in the game here. I don't really think I need to say too much more about this on this episode, but I definitely think next week is an episode that you won't want to miss. Tale of the tapes. Peace. Tale of the tapes. Might as well. <laughs>